Because I believe when knowledge increases, behavior changes. So when you try something else, you learn about it. Oh, what's this? It's not just a Bud Light. Oh, and you could just totally get that from here on out and look for it and search for it. Good Tuesday morning and welcome back to reality. We hope you enjoyed the long weekend. I'm Sage Miller and this is The Daily Buzz. Okay, actually, let, let's prolong the weekend a little bit by opening up a cold one. Tribune editor Jeff Parrott spoke with David Jimenez, the host of the podcast Tastemasters, which is all about beer in Utah. David Jimenez, host of the Tastemasters podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Doing well, Lord. How are you doing? First question, get us started. Where are you right now and what are you brewing? So right now I am at the heart of Strap Team Brewery in Lehigh, Utah, in Utah County. And currently I'm brewing High Side, which is our staple American wheat beer. And about how much High Side do you brew in a month? Probably 800 gallons a month. Wow. Yeah, so that's uh, quite a lot of pints for sure in, in Utah County. You started a podcast about beer in Utah. Tell us about Tastemasters and tell us why. Yeah, so originally what happened was I wanted to, I was a bartender here. I actually helped start the bar here in Lehigh facility in Strap Tank. And I became friends with the brewers who are like trolls downstairs. We had no idea who these brewers were. They're just kind of secret society. And I realized that I was bridging the gap between the brewers and the customers. So they'd come to me, they put these beers on tap and I have to know all styles or have to learn what they want me to teach about their products. And on that, on that note, I just became fascinated and I went down that rabbit hole fast. And when I went down that rabbit hole, uh, I decided to start a podcast because I wanted to also help bridge that gap between consumers and brewers. What can I do to educate? Because when you walk into a bar, you're like, oh, I want a Bud Light or I want a Pacifico because you're familiar with that or White Claw. That's all you're familiar with. But there are hundreds of styles where I can teach your palate and maybe you like a style that you've never heard before. And the only way you would know that is if someone gave it to you or you're educated upon that. Because I believe when knowledge increases, behavior changes. So when you try something else, you learn about it. Oh, what's this? Not just a Bud Light? Oh, and you could just totally get that from here on out and look for it and search for it. And then, so a podcast started as trying to educate people, but then I became a brewer and I started interviewing brewers. And while interviewing brewers, I realized that these you know introverted people that I thought they were, down this, these cellars, right? These those small places uh, by themselves. Like I'm by myself at work right now. You know, I can sit here and scream and sing top of my young lungs. No one would hear. But I feel like these brewers who are creating these beautiful products need to be heard, and their story needs to be said. And so I started going, interviewing all these brewers who take me, and I just listen to their story. What got like what you're doing to me? What if I started? Why? Why do you care about beer? It's not just Pacifico. What? And then it went from distilling or beer to distilling and from distilling to kombucha making, which is fermentation, and then sake brewing, which is also uh, brewing. Has that knowledge and passion of brewing and beer changed your palate at all or changed the way you drink? Oh, absolutely. So I'm guilty of this. I only drink uh, Pacifico. So to this day, my favorite beer of all time, I think, would be Pacifico. You know, if you open my fridge and open the fridge and there's not a Pacifico in there, I'm either having a really bad day or a really good day. But in IPAs, anytime you hear the word IPA, it's like, eh, bitter. You know, make that face. Everyone makes that face. Like, oh, or you see a dark beer, and you're like, oh, dark beer. It's scary. It's me roasty on my tongue and tastes like coffee. And then realizing that some of the lightest beers can be dark, uh, but light on your palate and just amazingly refreshing and beautiful. And so now I like IPAs. I'll go out of my way for IPAs. I still enjoy lagers. Lagers are my favorite. 
And then uh, darker lagers are my second favorite. I love Dunkles. I love Schwarz beers. Like I love anything that has clean, crisp taste, but with a lot of malty flavor. Those are my suckers. And what's your favorite beer down there at Strap Tank? Strap Tank will have to be our Strap, our Flathead, which is our American. It's actually an American. It's a Hellas, but we call it American Lager because the word Hell literally scares, scares people here in Utah County. <laughs> so the style Hellas, but we call it a Lager, which is still it's like. Uh, Bourbon and rye whiskey, they're all whiskey, but they're not all rye whiskey is bourbon. So it's all in the same realm. Yeah. So Hellas's are lagers, but not all lagers are Hellas's. So yeah, Hellas called Flatheads. Delicious, crushable, beautiful. Sometimes we'll throw some chilies in there. Sometimes we'll throw a little bit of lime in there. And it just makes it just that much better. So Tastemasters comes out every week. You've been doing this for a couple of years now. What's evolved on the podcast? So many friends now. I... <laughs> Uh, every every single individual that I interview or I bring onto the show, uh, I can truly reach out and we, we still keep in touch. Every single one of them, I'll reach out every once in a while, see how they're doing. And uh, we always hug each other when we see each other in public. It's like I gained this new perspective on friends. And then also, I've been able to connect. I get a lot of people reach out to me now that I'm in the brewing community. I'll get people saying, hey, do you know this person? So I can ask them about so-and-so or such-and-such. Like the other day, someone asked me if I knew someone who had a special strain of yeast that they could pitch in their beer. And I said, I don't have it, but I know who would have it. And so this, like, I've become like this little connecting telephone game for people. And it's been kind of cool to see how I can help other people with, uh, you know, hey, do you have this barrel? I'm like, no, but I know who does. I'll send you that way. So that's changed dramatically. And then uh, finding out that people are starting to recognize uh, the, the name Tastemasters. Uh, the other day I had someone come in who delivers our uh, chemical and he goes, oh, I know who you are. I don't know your name, but I know who you are. I'm like, oh, what's your name? I want to meet you. So I, I, yeah, friends and connecting with community, connecting, pretty awesome. I've heard that story now from several brewers about now I'm out of yeast, I'm out of malt, who do I know? And other brewers they call nearly break their backs trying to help them out. And like, I think before I started understanding a little bit more about the beer community here, I would have seen that more as competition, but it doesn't appear to be that way at all. Not in Utah. Uh, some other places, they are cutthroat and that's unfortunate, but you know, some, it's kind of sad to see the world outside of Utah. Uh, it's really, uh, if you know, if you're not the big dog, you're not going to make it. You got to be the best at everything. And for me, it's, it's, I don't, I don't care. And, and I think Utah has this kind of common thread. It's, I don't care about perfection. That's nothing. Once you get, if you were, if you're perfect, what's the, what else is there to do? So stop chasing, stop chasing perfections, just chase passion. And once you do that, everything else falls into place. And, and here in Utah County or Utah, everyone chases the passion and it's so beautiful and it's so raw and it's palpable. You can feel it. People who aren't brewers, uh, but within the community, they see it like, Oh, that's totally rad. Utah's got a great community and we're award winning. We have ward Awards from the World Beer Cup, all these big competitions right here in Utah. We make great beer. Cheers, y'all. Next, White Rocks, a small community whose indigenous residents say they have been shaped by a traumatic past, held its first bear dance in over 20 years this month. The dance is meant to welcome spring and is based on the legend of a bear being woken from hibernation by the first thunderstorm of the year. Courtney Tanner has that story. Last week, I went to a small town in eastern Utah um, on the Ute Reservation. It's called White Rocks. And this town was holding its first bear dance in over 20 years. 
the bear dance is meant to bring in springtime. So there's this legend that the dance chief told about two warriors who were starving, going out looking for food in the spring. And they came across this bear that was emerging from her den. And she stands up and scratches the tree. And it sounds like thunder. And then the bear turns to these warriors and teaches them, you know, the same dance that she did and tells them to bring it back to their people to heal them. And so they do. And they they wear these, you know, beautiful shawls and moccasins and they kind of sway together and uh, hold hands. And it's really this beautiful dance that, that's about renewal and hope and strength and energy. And the bear dance is something that the Ute tribe normally does every year in certain towns, Fort Duchesne, Randallit, that are out there. But this town in particular hasn't had one for a really long time. And the people there, the residents, point to this kind of underlying trauma where they've kind of felt uh, honestly afraid of, of practicing their culture. They used to have a boarding school in this town. And the students there, you know, were forced away from families in this traditional boarding school model and uh, told not to practice their culture, told not to speak their language. And the people in this town say that, you know, that's kind of stuck with them. They used to hold the bear dance, you know, every year, all the time in the early 1900s, even up until about the 1980s when it kind of petered off and they stopped holding it. And now they are holding it once more. To read more about the sacred tradition, visit sltrib.com. Tomorrow is the start of Pride Month. To kick it off, we'll leave you today with a heartwarming story by education reporter Connor Sanders. Utah teacher Bree Barrowman didn't recognize the impact she had on her students, but it became abundantly clear when she decided to transition from male to female during the pandemic. When she returned to in-person learning, Barrowman was greeted with nothing less than acceptance, Earlier this year, her students made a large poster with anonymous notes about Barrowman. One note read, Brie, thanks for being such a good example to us closeted kids. To honor Miss Barrowman, a class of ninth graders at the Syracuse School asked their transgender teacher to be the commencement speaker at their graduation. As far as Barrowman knows, she is the first openly trans person to speak at a graduation event in Utah. And that's it for today. Today's episode was edited by Daniel Rubio, and as always, a big shout out to Salt Lake City's own The Pelicans for our groovy music. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the biggest local headlines of the day. 